Good morning. Welcome to church. Uh, I hope you've already had a rich time in worship, and I really hope you made use of our Sunday worship guide. And if by chance you didn't, I want to encourage you to hit pause and go to our website and download the worship guide and, and consider spending some time worshiping through that uh, before you get back here to our sermon. So you can hit pause now and I'll wait on you. And when you get back, we can pick up together and it'll be great. But either way, I hope you're doing well. Miss you very much. I can't wait for the day that we get to worship together again. Thank you for being such an encouraging church uh, and for helping us out as we create these new rhythms that are very temporary. And uh, that's how we're setting our mind to this. This is temporary. We're going to get through this and we're going to grab hold of Jesus all the way through. And so I hope you have your Bible with you. And would you go ahead and open up to the book of Galatians chapter 1. Now I want you to imagine this scenario with me. Uh, imagine that my kids related to me in such a way that they tried to earn my love. So it might look like this. Imagine one of my daughters comes to me and she says, Oh, Dad, I've done extra chores today. I washed all the windows of the house inside and out. In exchange for that, could I please just get a kind word from you? Would you just say something nice to me, Dad? And I would think, how weird is that? It would be totally weird for a child to relate to uh, their parent that way because my child doesn't have to do all that work for me just to give a kind word. My kids don't have to earn my love. I give my love to them freely because they're mine. Do I want obedience? Well, sure, I want obedience, but I, I, I'm not someone they have to fear or be terrified of, and they don't earn my love. I give it to them freely because I'm their father. They're my children. Now, it's easy for us to believe that in a healthy relationship, that's how parents and kids should relate to one another, but it's hard for us to believe that that's how we should relate to God also, that God gives us his love freely and that we don't have to earn it. Christians have always battled against this way of thinking, of thinking that we can work to earn God's favor and his kindness. We do extra chores, so to speak, so God would give us a kind word. We've thought that way for a long time. We always battle that temptation. It, it's a temptation we would call legalism. And the primary way, one of the primary ways, that the church has battled legalism is with the book of Galatians in hand. Several months ago, we put on our calendar that we were going to start the book of Galatians on this Sunday. And I see no reason to change that. It has nourishment for our soul. And so for the next several weeks, the next few months, we're going to go verse by verse through the book of Galatians together. And I hope you'll join us every Sunday on this journey. Before we dive into the text, I want to give you a, a, a bit of information about this book, just so that you know big picture context, what this is about, and why it's important. Now, this is not a book, really. Galatians is a letter, and it's a letter written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this probably as early as the year 47 A.D., uh, that would make it not only the earliest of Paul's letters, it would make it the earliest of all the New Testament documents. Now, there's some scholarly, nerdy debate about all of that. We don't want to get off into those details. But just suffice to say, this is one of the first letters that we have from Paul. He wrote this letter to the churches in Galatia. 
He didn't write it to one church. Galatia is not a city. Galatia is a region. Think of it like a state. It's in modern-day Turkey, uh, or what was all, has also been known as Asia Minor. And on Paul's first missionary journey, uh, he left Antioch, his home base on the eastern shore of the Mediterranean, and he sailed around to Asia Minor, to Galatia, and there he bounced around to these different cities, these different towns where he preached the gospel and established churches. Towns named Perga and Pisidian Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. Several of these towns in this little loop before he returned back to his home base of Antioch. Now just as soon as Paul left and got back home, he received word that some false teachers had swooped in behind him and were corrupting the gospel that he taught in these towns, the gospel that these churches were founded on, the gospel that these lives were saved by. And so these false teachers came in and they tried to discredit Paul, his apostleship and his authority. And they also tried to change the message that he preached, the gospel of Jesus Christ to these people. Now scholars have given these bad guys, these false teachers, a name. Paul doesn't call the group by name, but the name that scholars have given to them are Judaizers. And Judaizers are people who believed partly in Jesus Christ, that he died and rose again, but also that in order to truly be saved, you had to maintain Jewish legal systems. You had to maintain Jewish diet practices, circumcision was required, all this long list of religious rules. They said, believe in Jesus and keep the law, then you will be saved. Now, when Paul, throughout the letter, when he takes on these opponents, there's no place where he attacks them for not believing that Jesus died and rose again. It seems that they believed that in some measure anyways. Uh, and it's possible that these Judaizers even considered themselves to be Christians. But what they are pushing these new Christians and these new churches towards is no gospel at all. It is no good news. They are working to enslave them again in legalistic rituals, laws that have nothing to do with people of faith. Now, legalism is a term that we use quite often. What are we talking about when we talk about legalism? Uh, one author described it for me this way, and I, I thought it was really helpful. He gave it three characteristics. One, legalism is working according to our own rules. Two, it's working to earn God's favor. And then three, it's weakening the power of the cross. This is a danger that we all face. Uh, the legalist essentially says this, I cannot trust fully in the work of Jesus Christ to save me. Therefore, I will do all these religious deeds in order to bolster my case before God. So you would ask the legalist, do you believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave? And they would say, yes. You would say, did you celebrate that on Easter Sunday? They would say, yes, it was great. And we, you would ask, uh, is, the, is there anything needed more for you to be saved? And they would say, yes, I have to keep this rule and this rule and this rule and abstain from this sin and this sin and this sin. And then maybe God will do me well in the end. It's a horrible lie that has always plagued God's people. And it's a danger to all of us. Paul's letter to the Galatians is his effort to protect them from that false gospel and to secure them joyfully in the saving power of Jesus Christ. So what does all that have to do with us? 
why are we talking about that uh, today of all days? Here's a few quick goals I, I hope to accomplish throughout the course of this study. One is the word correct. Uh, Paul will correct our bad theology. Every place where we deviate from the gospel, the letter to the Galatians corrects that and brings us back in line. The second word is protect. We want to protect ourselves from false teachers and lies that diminish the truth of Jesus Christ. Third is secure. We want to secure ourselves in our salvation. In a world that is full of chaos and doubt and anxiety and fear, you do not have to doubt Jesus Christ or your salvation. You can know these things are true. And finally is joy. Uh, I think when we understand and experience Christ's astonishing love for us, the result is a joy that supersedes every situation we face. So now you get to push back. Now you get to say, Cody, that sounds really tone deaf. We're in a pandemic. We're in quarantine. Uh, everything around us is cuckoo. And here we are talking about Galatians and legalism. What's the deal? Here's the deal. More important than a lifted quarantine is that you know Jesus Christ. Your comfort in these days will not come from any government mandate or from any return to normalcy. In this period of great disruption, you can find a peace that passes all understanding, a freedom from the chaos in Jesus Christ. And that's why Galatians is the right book for this time. The gospel has always been under attack. It is under attack now in many insidious ways. And now while everything else is cuckoo, you and I are gonna put ourselves right in the path of Jesus Christ and his cross. So you might come into this time with an embattled soul, beat up by all kinds of voices around you that have worked to diminish Christ, to lower his efficiency, to make you doubt the sufficiency of his work to save you. When you have an embattled soul like that, you need anchors, and those anchors come from Galatians chapter 1. It's a long intro for a quick glimpse into Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And this morning, I want to give you two anchors for the embattled soul. So start with me and read with me Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Paul writes this, Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. In these opening words, just mere greeting material, Paul gives us two anchors for our embattled souls. The first anchor is this, it's the voice of truth. When your soul is pummeled by lies about Christ and mutilations of the gospel, what you and I need is the voice of truth. We need God's voice through God's messengers. Uh, in our normal correspondence with each other, we've got some rules of communication, right? We, uh, you don't just start a conversation with business. You start with some niceties. How are you doing? How is your day? Or think about calls you might have made when you were in college. Like I would call home and say, hey, dad. How you doing? How was your day? How was work? How was the football games? How are sports? And it would be a while before I got to the meat of the matter, which is, I need some money, right? You don't just say, hey, dad, I need money. You got to build up to that. 
And those types of rules were in place in ancient letter writing also. You would uh, greet your audience, you would give warm words of kindness and affection, and then you would launch into the business at hand. But Paul doesn't do that. There's an urgency to his writing. And that urgency is because he loves these people he's writing to and he is worried for their souls. And so that's why verse 1, he introduces himself as Paul, an apostle. And not an apostle from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. We'll see here in chapter 1 where these opponents of the gospel attacked Paul's credentials. They tried to convince the people in these little churches that Paul was no one to be listened to, not an authority on the matter. And that's why Paul doesn't waste any ink on niceties. He gets straight to the matter of things. It's as if he's writing in all caps here in verse 1 to tell his people, my credentials do not come from Abraham or Moses or Peter or James or John. My credentials, my commission comes from Jesus Christ, God himself, who spoke to me and called me to this work. You see, the churches in Galatia have to hear from God's messenger on this point. This disagreement between Paul and the Judaizers, it's, it's not like a, a difference between denominations. This is not like Baptist versus Methodists. It's, it's not even like Protestants versus Catholics. This is Christ versus Antichrist. Souls hang in the balance. And so Paul is not going to be all sweet and fluffy when he has to pry people out of this heresy and this horrible speech about Jesus Christ. And so Paul wants to make sure they listen to him, that the voice they give authority to is the voice that's been commissioned by God. Now, this has been the line of authority that Christian churches have operated under for the past 2,000 years. Jesus gave the gospel and authority with the gospel to his apostles. And the New Testament church has operated under that apostolic authority for the duration of our existence. And so the reason we hold the words of Paul with the same esteem with the words of Jesus is because Jesus commissioned Paul and the apostles and the New Testament writers to write the words of God for us. Now, your faith, my faith, might be under attack on a regular basis from voices on the outside who seek to diminish the work of Christ. Some of those are subtle. Some of those are malicious. Some of those are very familiar to us. It may be a legalistic voice like we'll find in Galatians. It might be a pluralistic voice that we would find in the culture around us saying, well, this is just your truth. It's not my truth. It might be an accusing voice that says, how could Jesus ever love someone like you? You have a choice which voices you give bandwidth in your brain. And brother and sister, I implore you, do not give space to liars. Listen to the voice of truth. And where do we get that voice of truth? We get it here in these pages. Here is Paul speaking to us. Peter speaking to us, Jesus speaking to us. Here is God speaking to us. And look, this is not magic. It's, it's not some secret insider information. The tried and true way for you and I to embrace Jesus Christ and the power that he has to save us 
is by hearing his voice over and over again in this book. Now more than ever is the right time for you to put in your life the rhythm of regular Bible intake. And uh, we've got so many new rhythms right now. Life has been turned upside down. And if you're not a regular Bible reader, now's the time. Don't waste your quarantine. Don't just live your life blobbing from one activity to the next. Set aside time to feed your soul with the Word of God. We've got one gentleman in our church, one of the most godly people I know, and he told me this story that in 1962, his pastor then challenged him in the church to read the Bible all the way through cover to cover. They had a, they had a theme, read it through in 62. And he did that in 62, and he did it again in 63, and he's done it every year since then, 58 years. This brother has read the Bible every year, cover to cover. And that brother does not worry about the ability of Christ to save him. And he doesn't have doubts about his salvation. Not because he's read the Bible a lot and he's earned that, but because every day for 58 years, he hears the voice of God saying, I love you and I gave my son for you. And the heart that feasts on that word does not doubt, does not give room to legalism, does not feel that they have to earn the favor and the love of God because they know they can't. You've got to hear this voice of truth. The second anchor for your embattled soul is not just the voice of truth, but it's the message of truth. This voice is going to give you a message, and it's a true message. And so Paul, as he continues his introduction in this letter, he says to the churches in Galatia, verse 3, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's his prayer for the church in, churches in Galatia. That's his prayer for us. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. God doesn't pray, or excuse me, Paul doesn't pray that God would show them favor because they have his favor in Jesus Christ, crucified and risen again. He prays that they would have God's grace and that they would know God's peace. Those two items are in the correct order, grace first and then peace. God has to act in grace towards sinners like us in order for us to know peace with him. God gives us his grace and the result is this peace that passes all understanding. How astounding to think that I'm the one that sinned. I'm the one that created the lack of peace between us, that created the need for grace. I'm the rebel here. I'm the guilty one. But God stoops to us. He came to us in grace to rescue us. And what is that other than a God of unfathomable love and mercy and grace to give us that sort of peace? How does he apply that grace and peace to us? Well, he tells us in verse 4, Jesus gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of God the Father. He didn't come to rescue us in part. He didn't come to start a rescue that we would continue on our own. Imagine this scenario. There's a swimmer drowning and the lifeguard goes out to rescue. But the lifeguard says, I'm here to save you. But first, I want you to answer these trivia questions about state capitals. Nonsense. That's not rescue. Jesus came to rescue us in whole, 
in full by laying down his life. This was the will of God the Father. It is God's will to show you grace, to work peace for you, to provide a sacrifice for your sin that you can't take care of on your own. What an incredible God we have. What an incredible salvation we have. He gives grace and peace to sinners, and Paul says he gets the glory forever and ever and ever. I've met many religious people who carry with them this deep-seated belief that their religious deeds will win God's favor. And so they avoid some actions and they do other things in order to get God to like them and to do well for them. And then when they go through dark times, they attribute that to their own failure to get God's favor. In the opening words of the book of Galatians, Paul obliterates that way of thinking. And as we continue through this study, he will attack it vigorously because your soul deserves better. Christ did not die to rescue you, sort of. He died to rescue you completely and totally. Your embattled soul has the voice of truth and it has the message of truth. And friend, if you get those things right, you will get everything right. <laughs> 